Everything that God does on the earth today, He does it by His Word and His Spirit. In the Pastor William Evans podcast, your host, Pastor William Evans, takes you through the importance of the Word of God in your everyday life. Whether you're experiencing the lowest valley or the highest mountain, the Word of God is essential. As we depend on it and read it daily, we form an unbreakable bond with God. We understand His will, what He wants us to do, and our purpose in life. Without further delay, here's another uplifting episode of the Pastor William Evans Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Would you bow your heads, please? From Christian Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to come and share your word, to, to fellowship one with another. We thank you, Father God, for your grace and mercy, and most of all, your love. We ask, Father God, for forgiveness of our sins, Lord, and to cleanse us, Father God, of all unrighteousness. And to help us, Father God, to just to be that vessel of honor that you ordained us to be, Lord. We praise you, Father God. We glorify and magnify your name for everything you're doing in our lives, Lord. We say thank you. These brothers pray in Jesus' name, Lord. And Father, I thank you for it. Amen? amen. And amen. Welcome back. We come to give glory to God, honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, and to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the Comforter that was sent to lead and guide us into all truth. I also want to thank all of you for being here. And those that will partake of this lesson through various means, we are truly grateful. We are moving forward to part three in this series of seven principles of prayer. Now we've talked about the first principle of solitude. We discovered that there are, in solitude there is a designated place as well as a specific time. We also discovered that if we are consistent in our effort of establishing a place of solitude, it would not only be a physical place, but it would be transformed into a psychological one. Amen. Then we began to talk about confession. Amen. Confession, we learned true confession opens us up to self-realization, to honest communication, and the confession of our faith in what and whom we believe. Now we will introduce the third principle, petition. Now this is the acts a person, group, or organization for something in a formal way. We have examples of this in the secular. We know that people submit applications to the governing body or public officials asking that some authority be exercised to grant relief, favor, or privileges. Now, something I want everybody to understand that you may not be aware of is that every American citizen has the right to petition their government. This is according to the U.S. Constitution. Amen. The First Amendment. Let us take a closer look at a secular petition and how it works. Now, in order for you to petition the government or any other organization, there are things you have to do, put in place to get it done, right? You don't just go in and just write a letter and just bring it up there, oh, here, here you go. No. 
There's a system that you got to follow. And your documentation, your request has to be presented a certain way. Amen. Now, in order for you to find out how your documentation, your your uh, your petition needs to be presented, you got to realize something. What do I need to do? I need to go out. I need to go out and start researching what I need to do about this petition, this specific this uh, 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 thing that I want to do. Let's say first I want to uh, uh, change uh, a uh, the speed limit on a certain freeway, right? I got to go out and get all the studies on how many accidents happen on that freeway. And I got to use a, a period, let's say if it's 10 years, right? And if the speed limit was, let's say if it was 55, and we had uh, 300 accidents in a year, 970, and we're having uh, a 400 or 500 accidents a year. That means that, to, to, to me, that means that the, the speed limit it's doing what? Causing more accidents, right? So what you're going to do, you're going to petition whatever entity it is to do something about it. Amen? Amen. But this is the thing you must understand. You must understand that every entity has a jurisdiction. I can't go to uh, uh, the Family Life Center in the, in the community and ask them to change the speed limit. Can I? No. I got to go to whoever has jurisdiction over that area. Right? Amen. Now watch this now. The federal government has jurisdiction over the entire United States. But the states also have their own jurisdiction. When they are able to pass laws, then you got these smaller geographic areas such as counties and cities. They are separate jurisdictions, and they have the power and independence of the federal government and the state government. I'm not going to send a letter to Washington, D.C., to deal with something in Texas. Who am I going to deal with? I'm going to deal with the legislatures in Texas. Amen? Mm -hmm. But before I get to that point, I'm going to deal with my local community. And then get it progressed up to whoever needs to see it to get me in front of them to tell them exactly what I need, why I need it, and the benefits of it. Is that correct? Amen? Now watch this now. One of the things that we must understand is that when you put present a petition it has to be precise it has to be concise and it has to be informative why? because if you bring something up there and it's incomplete not thought out and not making any sense it's going to be dismissed because they're going to look at it and say well this don't make any sense you have to bring something up there that's going to get their attention and going to make them understand that you know exactly what you're talking about. Is that correct? Amen. Amen. Once you know what is required of your petition, then it should be presented. What must be clearly identified in any petition is the motive. 
A motive is something that causes us to act or behave to reach a goal or desired endpoint. This leads me to psychologists who have divided motives into three types. Biological motives, social motives, and personal motives. Now I want you to hear this. Biological motives are essential for survival. These motives are triggered when there is an imbalance in the body. For example, when you are hungry, right? Your body wants some food. So you do what you got to do to go get something to eat, right? Once you get full, you're okay. But then when your body digests that food, amen, when your body goes through the process of digesting that food, when it, when it goes to the, 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 the absorbing the food, and then it exhausts the food, guess what? You're hungry again, right? What you do? You get up and you respond to it. Amen? That's a biological motive. Then there is that uh, motive where we, we need oxygen. Every human being, everything on earth needs oxygen. Now, people don't understand this. Do you think there's oxygen in the water for fish? Amen. Everything needs oxygen, right? But we need it continuously. You can't get oxygen on, on, on Monday and not have none on Tuesday. You need it every day. Is that correct? If we don't get oxygen, guess what it does? It leads to serious consequences. Like damage to the brain or even death. Amen? Finally, we need sleep. Sleep is essential for us to function normally. When our body and mind are tired, they need rest for rejuvenation of energy. Now that's that's the biological, that, that's that's the thing that we must understand that it's important for us to have as basic things in our lives. Amen. Now we move to social motives. We are motives of learning through social groups because of interaction with family and society. Then there is achievement motive. But we desire to achieve some goal. Now this, this is often when we try to achieve something. It's because we've seen somebody else that we may have high esteem for. They'll accomplish it and we want to accomplish it. We, we want to do it too. Amen? Mm -hmm. Then there's an aggressive motive. Now the aggressive motive is when you get into a situation where you are faced with a, a, a frustrating situation and the only way you know how to respond to it is doing what? You get aggressive, right? You come in and you want to get physical or verbal. Amen? Then there's the power mode. This is what people are concerned with having control or an impact over others. That's their problem. They, 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 that's, that's what makes them believe that they are powerful because they're able to control other people. Amen? Then there's the acquisition motive. This motive is a tendency to acquire all the things which appear attractive to you. You ever seen people 
uh, got a nice car and a nice house and all that, but they, they, they're not satisfied with one or two cars. They want five or six. They're not satisfied with, with this, this, you know, they got to have more and more. And the more they, they, they have, the more they want. Amen. Then there's the affiliation mode, which is the tendency to associate ourselves with other members of the same group. Well, the basic needs, safety and security needs are fulfilled. In other words, I'm comfortable with people like me. I feel safe around. I feel like I can, I can, I can live my life the way I need to live because I'm surrounded by people that's, that, that, are, that are good for me. Amen? Then there are personal motives, like forced habits of, and we see it in different people, in different forms, like smoking. Drinking, gambling, etc. There are also good habits like exercising regularly, reading, prayer, meditation, etc. Well, the thing we got to understand is this: once these habits are formed, they act as drivers and compel us to perform the act. You ever seen somebody that was a smoker and that urge hits them? They they gonna get a cigarette. You ever seen someone that's on drugs? It don't matter what they got to do. That urge hits them. They, they want to get out. Amen. So why am I saying all this? Because these motives are things that cause you to do something that you're doing. Right? It doesn't matter what it is. No one just do stuff. You're doing it for a reason. There's something motivating you, something that's pushing you to do what you're doing. Amen. When you walk in the room and you, I, I remember growing up and my, my mother um, had some, uh, some ice cream uh, in the freezer. And I was like Adam, amen. She walked in the room and I'm eating the, the ice cream, you know, and I'm eating it, man, I'm eating it, man. She walked in. And the first day I had my mom, Melissa gave it to me. But she did. I went in and got it myself. But in my mind, my motive was, I'm not getting in trouble by myself. Even though Melissa would not eat none of the ice cream. I would. Amen. So, why am I saying all this? Because you got to understand why people do what they do. Why you do what you do. What makes you do what you do. Because once you can figure out what makes you do what you do, get what you can do. You can work on it. You can fix it. Amen. Finally, our attitudes and interests determine our motives. These are specific to each of us. Now I want y'all to hear this real good. When a person interacts in a certain football team, you know how they act. They get excited when that team is winning. They want to talk about it all the time. They're looking up stats on the team and oh, they're doing this, doing that. But when the team loses, whole attitude changes. Amen. They become somebody else. When you talk to them about it, they, they, they get uh, 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 to the point where they, I don't want to hear it. And some of them get to the point where they get deficient. Amen? Amen. Amen. Our attitude and our interest motivates, motives determine our behavior. Amen. I want you to hear this. Many are taught through social motives to ask God through the vehicle of prayer. For our petition to be effective, we must learn how to present our, our petition. 
Now we just we just heard through the secular what was necessary, right? The secular told us that we had to petition or ask a person, a group or organization for something in a formal way. In the biblical, this definition applies to God. When we come to God to petition him, we must come to him a certain way. Amen? This is why it's important to understand how to petition God. You can't come to him any kind of way. How do we learn how to come to God? How do we learn how to petition God? How do we learn to, to be able to communicate with him in a way that we'll get the desired results? Well, it's evident in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, where it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that need not be ashamed, rightly divide the word of truth. So you study the word of God. You study the mind of God, right? You study the thoughts of God. You, you, you're finding out what God wants. And we studied our last lesson that if God promised something, God has to do it, right? So if I go to God's word and I'm studying God's word and I'm finding out that God promised me that he's going he's gonna to bless me with this or he's going to keep me safe from that, I got to go in and, and find that out and say, okay, when I go pray to God, I go petition God, God, you said in your word, that if I delight myself in you, and I'm not making this up, this word, this is the Bible. If I delight myself in you, you will give me the desires of my heart. That's what you say. What am I doing? Lord, I am delighting myself in you. Now I'm asking you to give me the desires of my heart. But this is the thing you got to understand. When you delight yourself in God, your motives stop changing. You're not thinking the way you used to think anymore. Amen. You're not looking at the, at the natural things. You're looking at the spiritual things now. Because God has enlightened you. He's, he, he wants you to see that it's far beyond the, the, the secular. It's far beyond the material. The thing that has limits on it. The thing that's going to perish. God said, I'm going to give you something that's going to last forever. Amen. Amen. Watch this now. This leads to the verification of the jurisdiction. Y'all remember that? Psalm 103, 19. There you go find these words. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. And his sovereignty rules over all the universe. In other words, we already know that God is all powerful, right? But God is telling us that his reign is everywhere. The whole universe. So if I pray to God and, pretend, and, and, and present my petition to him, it's not limited to what? The United States, is it? It's not limited to Dallas. It's not limited to Texas. It's not limited to California. When, I, when I'm talking to God, I'm talking to God about stuff that, that throughout the whole universe. Amen? Because that's his jurisdiction. Everywhere. Amen? Amen. Why does it When our petition is God sinner, then we can petition God with confidence. What I mean by petition being God-centered. Now, I don't want y'all to lose sight of what I'm saying. Now, I want you to understand something. We define petition as to ask a person, group, or organization for something in a formal way. Amen? Amen. 
Now, when I come and ask you, I say, I'm fine. I'm going to petition God or ask God, but I'm going to do it God-centered. What does that mean? Look with me. The first John, chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. There you will find these words. Now, this is what he says. Now, he said, and this is the confidence that we have in him. Then we ask anything according to his will or his what? His word. He hear us. And if we know that he hear us, and whatever we ask, we know that he will have the request that we have asked of him. Amen? In other words, if I go and ask God according to his word, according to what he said, because he can't lie. Amen? What God has to do? He has to perform it. So when we go to God and we pray about stuff and just throwing stuff out there, God is saying, what's wrong? What are you talking about? I don't understand what you're doing. If you go to God and you're precise in, in, in what you're asking for, what is God going to have to do? He will have to produce it. Amen? To make a petition effective, you must put the time in studying God's word. This will help you know who God is, what he requires in your petition. And this authority is produced the required results. Amen. This is somewhat, there's somewhat of a disconnect when it comes to petitioning God. The problem lies in the motive. We discussed earlier that psychologists have divided motives into three types. Biological motives. The Bible addresses in Matthew 6. 25 through 26. Now I want you to read this now. There you're going to find these words. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink. Nor about your body. What you will put on. It's not, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They need a soul nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your Father in heaven feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? What is God telling us? God is not telling you not to go to work. God is not telling you not, not to buy nice things, not, not to eat good food, and to, and to rest, and, and all the things that are necessary for our survival. But he's telling you don't get so caught up in it. That's all you're doing. Amen. You working to eat. You working to have clothes. You it's more more than that, isn't it? Amen. I'm wired up now. Amen. Then there are the social motives. This is found in First Chronicles 28 and 9. This is what David is giving advice to Solomon. There you will find these words. And you, Solomon, my son. Know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all the hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Y'all see that? This, that's, that's that social motive where, where you learn from your, your parents or society. Amen. That's advice that, that you've given 
to, to understand that God loves you and God wants you to have the things that he desires for you. But you can't have what God wants for you on your terms. It has to be on his. Because God knows why he's giving you these things. I'm not giving you a car just to go to work. I'm giving you a car to go help somebody. I'm not giving you a house, man, for you to just have no house. I'm giving you a house for you to have peace so you can relax and, and take care of yourself so you can be able to go out and help somebody else. To be able to show the world through your life that I'm alive and alive forevermore. You got to think about the fact that it's not just about you. It's about him too. Amen. And finally, personal moment. In James 4 and 3, there you're going to find these words. You see, you ask God for something and do not receive it. Because you ask with the wrong motives, out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda. So that when you get it, what would you do? You spend it on your desires. Amen. You want God to bless you, but you don't want to become a blessing. You don't want to take what God has already entrusted you and help somebody else along the way. Amen. That is a personal motive. That, that's when you become selfish. When you're going to God and, 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 and petitioning, you're praying and asking God for this, that, and other, whatever, and time you get what you get, oh, the Lord has blessed me. And you're passed by somebody walking on the side of the road. And I'm not telling you to pick up everybody on the road or whatever, but the Holy Spirit ought to unto you to want to help somebody. Amen? Amen. Amen. For help and the right way to operate the principle of petition, Jesus gives us an example. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, there you're going to find these words. Pray then this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you hear that? Would you hear that prayer? Would you hear that example of prayer? Do you hear anything about me? Do you hear anything about what I want? Huh? Did you hear anything about God give me this, that, and other, whatever? No, what you heard was what we've been talking about all along. Well, your motives, it's not about you, it's about him. And you're trusting him enough to know that when I go to him, I go to him knowing that if I spend the time with him, if I talk to him, and he talk back to me, his desires become my desires. And Lord, I trust you that you're going to take care of whatever I need. Now, what do you have me to do? Amen? This is a petition that is God's son. Because we know him. Because we know that in our solitude, in our confession, he reveals his word, thoughts, and desires to us when we embrace petition. We'll be, we'll be able to foster dialogue. But we can have a productive conversation with God. Then when we Begin to understand how to operate the vehicle of prayer. This will foster guidance. This will give us a direction 
and advice from God's perspective, from God's perspective, and help us in navigating our daily life. This is not about us going, uh, 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 getting up every day praying and, and establishing a prayer life for God to give us all kinds of things. This is about God equipping us for the work he ordained for us. And God is going to provide whatever we need along the way. Amen. God ain't got no problem with you living good. But what are you doing with it? God ain't got no problem with blessing you, but he's blessing you for you to become a blessing. Amen. Amen. As we close, we began to come to God open and honest with no hidden agendas. We'll be able to present our opportunity to God in a way that we know and understand that he is and that because he knows all, he knows what's best. Amen. He knows what's best for us. Even if we think we do. This reminds me when I was visiting my grandmother, we called her mother. She made a statement. She said, William Jr., you're praying for a wife, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am. She gave me some profound advice. She said, when you go back to God, you specify the type of wife you want. Because the devil will send you anything. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, if you are ever to be successful in our prayer life, we must start to embrace these principles. We have thus far talks in our previous two lessons about solitude, but we will find a designated place and specific time to be open and honest and bold in our confession of sins and profession of faith and become specific where we are precise, concise, and informative in our petition to God. I would be remiss if I didn't caution you not to take these lessons lightly. They're designed to bring everlasting change to every aspect of your life. But I want you to understand something. You can't sit on the sideline with these lessons. Because when you embrace them, it's going to take some firmness. It's going to take commitment, discipline, and passion to, to, to continue. These lessons call for participation. You will not be able to sit on the sideline and experience the true impact of these lessons. When we pray God Son, we know he will always have our best interest in mind. We know that in our solitude, we will share his thoughts with us. In our confession, we know we can tell him anything that he will tell anybody else. But he'll come and help us. When we present our petition to him the right way, we know that he heals us and will grant our petition based on our obedience. Remember, God loves you and cares about you. Until next time, may God continue to bless you and keep you in his grace and love. Would you bow your heads, please? Our Father in heaven, we thank you. Lord, we appreciate you, Father God, for everything you're doing in our lives and all you have yet to do, Lord. Bless us, Father God, to stand firm on your word and trust you in all things, Lord. And to execute, Father God, these three principles, Father God, that we have learned thus far, and get ourselves a position, Father God, for the fourth principle, Lord, and to be able to establish our lives, Father God, as a vessel of honor for you, and let our proud lives, Father God, be that, that connection to you, Father God, to be that, that inner connection with you, Father God, that spiritual connection, Father God, that, that your word 
Your spirit, your love, and everything about you, Father God, flows through us, Father God, as that vessel to show the world through our lives that you're alive and you're alive forevermore, Lord. And Father, I thank you for that. Bless every soul that's here and every soul that's going to hear this word through every means, Father God. Bless them right now in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father. Now, in the grace of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, let it rest, rule, and abide in us henceforth and forever. Leave the child of God signify by saying, Amen and Amen. You just listened to another episode of the Pastor William Evans Podcast. Pastor William Evans Podcast was recorded live in the studio with final editing before uploading. Subscribe today to the Pastor William Evans Podcast or visit tcuic.org for more godly-inspired content. Don't miss the next episode, and God bless.